The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Doubting Thomas, that's what they call this guy. A lot of people will tell you that if there's one character in the Bible that they most relate to, it's Doubting Thomas. That's never been the case for me, not because of whether I doubt or not, mostly just because I can't ever imagine saying, I want to stick my finger in your wounded hand. But unfortunately, the phrase Doubting Thomas, the very phrase Doubting Thomas, betrays the fact that in this distinctive story, which we only get here in John's Gospel, language is betraying us. And it's doing that in two ways. The first has to do with the way that this word doubt is translated. The fact is, the word is not doubt in the Greek. You may think about the passage in James when James says that if anyone lacks wisdom, he should act, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. That word there, 
is the word for doubt. But that is not the word that John uses in this story about doubting Thomas. Unfortunately, our New Revised Standard translation, uh, which is what I read, gives us doubt. The New International Version, which is the version that you have there in your pew Bibles, also says stop doubting and believe. That's steering us wrong. If you go back to the King James, you get something closer to what we find in the actual Greek. The King James says, be not faithless, but believing. You go even back farther than that to Wycliffe's translation back from the early 16th century. Do not thou be unbelievable, but faithful. And Tyndall, be not faithless, but believing. And you would love the spelling that they used back then. What, what's interesting there is that they're playing with the language in a way that brings out one of the quirks of our English language, which is that English is kind of the bastard child of Old French and Anglo-Saxon. When the Normans invaded England in 1066, they brought with them Old French, and on the island people were mostly speaking Anglo-Saxon. And so as our language evolved, in a number of places we kept words that were from the, the Old French, and we kept words that were from the Anglo-Saxon, because I guess we kind of liked having both around. And here is a place where you have faith and belief. Think about the words faith and belief. Faith comes from the Old French. Belief comes from the Anglo-Saxon. They mean roughly the same kind of thing when you think about it, but they both translate that Greek word pistis, which is, means faith or belief or trust. And the way that the actual Greek works in this text, what Jesus says to Thomas is not stop doubting and believe. What he says is be not unbelieving, but believe. You have the word apistia and pistis. Uh, the alpha privative, like uh, when you use the word, uh, when you put the prefix un on something. It, it means not. And Jesus is using the very same word. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. That's how the New American Standard does it for it. Don't be, don't disbelieve, but believe. Or as the old Geneva Bible got it, be not faithless, but faithful. What we're called to is not to somehow pretend that we don't doubt things. I mean, can you imagine Jesus, the Lord of the universe, who knows us so well, commanding us to do something that is simply impossible? You can't just decide not to doubt. Doubt is an experience that we have when we encounter something that's hard to believe. Really, in all our experiences of how we interact with the world around us when we're trying to understand what's going on. We're, we're constantly working this kind of a conversation between doubt and belief. Well, I, I see that and I, I doubt that 
is true, but I want to believe that that's true as well. That there are words and ideas that have dark sides to them. If you think about people who will only engage in doubt, people who refuse to believe anything, so they believe nothing, and they're nihilists. They don't believe anything. But then you think of people who claim that they don't doubt anything, and they're arrogant. That's the dark side of belief, is when you are more confident than you ought to be. Know what Jesus is calling Thomas to do here. He says, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Don't be faithless, be faithful. And this reminds me of that story in Mark's Gospel. When Jesus comes to his other disciples and they encounter a boy who's dealing with convulsions. And when this evil spirit that had possessed the boy saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. And the boy fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Well, from childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can said Jesus. Everything's possible for him who believes. And immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, he cried out, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. What Jesus says to Thomas is, yeah, okay. You believed because you did in fact see me raised from the dead. And you did put your finger in my wounded side, and so you have experienced this. But how blessed, Jesus says, is the one who has not had this experience and yet has believed. When we confess in our Nicene Creed that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we are affirming that our faith is based on the testimony of those apostles. An apostle is from the Greek apostello, somebody who is sent out. An apostle is somebody who has encountered the risen Lord and has been sent out to tell that good news. And so our, our Bible, our New Testament is written by people who had had that encounter and are telling us the good news. We are the ones Jesus is talking about when he said how blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so when we say, I believe, when we stand up, as we will in just a moment, and say the creed together, when we affirm with the churches throughout the ages that have faithfully followed our Lord and have followed the testimony of His apostolic witnesses, what we're not saying is that we never experience any doubt. What we're not saying is there are is that we're not saying that, that there are things that we find difficult to understand. What we're not saying is that we are completely clear in our heads about everything that's going on. What we're saying, every time we say that, 
is like the boy's father. I believe and help my unbelief. We say I am part of a community that holds to these beliefs, that shares this testimony, this story of what God has done in Christ, that he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. That the belief, the faith, the trust, the faithfulness that's most important is not ours. The faithfulness that matters is the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he faithfully obeyed his Father and fulfilled the work that God had given him to do. When we believe in him, when we trust him, we avail ourselves of his perfect faithfulness. Whether in any given moment we're a little shaky or not. We are not saved by the strength of our wills to think something. We are saved by God's grace that we have access to through our belief in Christ's eternal faithfulness. And so, will you stand with me as we with the faithful churches throughout the ages affirm our faith, our belief, our trust in these words of the Nicene Creed.